these three Sundays in November, the first three Sundays, we've decided to take a little bit of a different approach to our message, message time here and look at kind of what makes BBC tick. <laughs> what, do we, uh, what do we do together? How are we connected? Uh, what's at the heart of this congregation? So the first Sunday, we looked at our local mission together. Last Sunday, we had Rob Ogilvie and looked at our connection through the Canadian Baptist of Western Canada. Today, we look at our international missions through Canadian Baptist Ministries. And I'm so glad that Mr. Dennis Sherman is here with us. Dennis was a one-time colleague, a long-term friend. We're friends, right? Not just Facebook friends, but uh, we were friends outside of Facebook. And, uh, and we go back uh, quite a long way. And I remember when we were church planting and Dennis helped us get connected with projects in El Salvador. And that was a trip that really revolutionized not only my life, but the way that I view global mission engagement. And so I guess without any further ado, Mr. Dennis Shearman, uh, welcome to Bonavista Baptist Church. Thank you, Scott, for that uh, little ramble. Yeah, we are friends, I want to assure you. Not only in Christ, but friends indeed, who throughout the years I've appreciated your friendship and what we've been able to do together and encourage each other. I, uh, I am particularly this morning really grateful, not only to the church and Scott for opening up your pulpit for this, but I actually have not been able to speak to a live audience in 20 months. You're the first audience that I've spoken to in 20 months. It's great to see eyes. It's great to see people shake their head. As Sam tried to get you to move a little bit this morning. Uh, it really is good. Nothing against those at home or wherever you are uh, online. But really is something about coming together, being together and worshiping, but also being able to share together. Uh, I bring you greetings from Canadian Baptist Ministries and all of my colleagues uh, around the world, including Patty, who is a colleague and a national colleague there in Bolivia. And thank you for showing that video. Uh, I probably don't need to say anything else about CBM. as She captures what is happening uh, with uh, our partnership and with what she is engaged in there in real meaningful ministry. We thank you for that support as a church to her, not only monetarily, but in terms of the written and encouragement that you send on to her. You actually have been a church that has been engaged in more than just with Patty, but with coronavirus, uh, She Matters Project, and I'm going to share a little bit on some of those projects. And yes, something very dear to my heart and my wife's heart is the prison children's ministry as well in Bolivia, which still goes on today. Um, my wife and I served in, I think I've got some pictures, with our four children in Indonesia and in Bolivia. And uh, we served there in Bolivia for almost, well, it was over 10 years, and that was main our, our, of our ministry. Uh, today, after ministry overseas, we have come back to Canada and done various ministries. And as Scott said, we were colleagues together in terms of coming together and doing things and engaging the church here in North America. Canadian Baptist churches in North America to engage in meaningful ministry through word and through deed. Now you've heard that expression a little bit, uh, I'm sure, and it's a, it's a catchphrase, but it's a real phrase for us at CBM. Word and deed. We bring the word to the lost that need to hear about Jesus Christ. And then we back it up with our deeds. And you as a church engage in that way in terms of helping CBM 
your partners like Patty bring gospel and then bring in a practical way living out that gospel to those in need. Um, I'm not sure where we are at pictures, but uh, if you'll show the picture of my wife. Um, I only have one wife. Um, and I'm really careful with that because I got in trouble in Indonesia once. I was learning language. Uh, and there's lots of stories about learning language, but I always say I've only got one wife because I have the privilege of traveling around the world and mostly into Muslim countries, and they always ask you how many wives you have. Uh, I was learning language, and my teacher said uh, what I thought was, how old are you? And I was proudly telling him many times over that I was 30 years old at the time. <laughs> uh, well, it wasn't impressive to my wife when she found out from the villagers that she, there were 30 other wives. Uh, and uh, anyway, I couldn't live that one down. So I only have one wife. My wife is actually pastoring uh, Altador Baptist Church here in Calgary. And we kind of privileged to be able to do that. Uh, I believe the next picture is of five wonderful grandchildren. Uh, I know all grandparents say they have the best grandchildren in the world, but we are blessed to have the best five grandchildren. And two of those grandchildren, many of you would know from this church, are, Ray, are, uh, are Abigail and uh, Charlotte, who make their home with their parents now in uh, Mooseman, Saskatchewan. And um, Jonathan is pastoring that church there, and we appreciate this church. They bring greetings. Uh, they were members here for a while. And your encouragement and your prayers for them, they really covered. So they say hello. And yeah, those two little girls uh, do somewhat miss this place as well. They mostly miss me as their grandfather, but anyway. Um, so thank you for that. CBM uh, partners with local churches like yours around the world, and particularly here in Canada. And I say around the world because we partner with local churches like Bolivian local churches and many places around the world, healing the broken. And as I said, through word and deed. At a glance, we um, are an organization that focuses uh, key change. And we have five key um, mottos or five key drivers that move us. We are active, believe it or not, in actually 26 countries in the world. Now, I'll explain a little bit about that. Uh, we're in 26 countries, but we have partnerships in a few less. But because of those partnerships, we end up uh, expanding our reach through partnerships. It's about 972 Baptist churches across Canada that we partner with, like Bonavista Baptist. You, we are your mission. We exist because you have ordained us to step out on your behalf and do mission in the world. And then, of course, which is very important for us, uh, our work in aligning 13 of the 17 UN Sustainable Community Development Goals. And those, uh, those goals that are set out by the UN. And if you want to understand that a little bit more, go to the website. And it explains what that means to be a part of that, to achieve a better and more sustainable future for all in the world. You can go to www.cbmin.org and it explains it there. Those five key drivers or those five things that motivate us and the way we do ministry around the world are five causes. And those five causes uh, help us to do many different things, but they all fit into critical areas. And again, it's about the action and about, about bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. It's around poverty, Justice, kids at risk, as Patty's talked about, building the church 
which is very, very important. And of course, lately, which is growing for us, uh, the crisis response uh, program uh, that, uh, programs that we've been faced and had to address. Again, I'll share a little bit more about that and what's happening. This morning, I want to do two things. I want you to understand CBM better. I want it to spark something in you that if you don't know it and you want to know more, that you will find out more. If you know it, that you will pray better, and you will support better, and you will engage better around your mission and your ministry, and particularly Bolivia. But let me allow me to bring some scripture into this because I believe it's important. And it's just as important for us at CBM. And this whole idea of how to love your neighbor. God commands us to love our neighbor. But we need to respond in love and how we do that. This morning I want to bring some practical ideas. Matthew 22 verses 37 to 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. These words bring hope in the world today. For each of us that are loved by the Lord and those then need the love of the Lord, it is encouraging because he does love us first. Everything falls into place when we know that. But he calls us to love our neighbor. Love is based in creation. You are made in the image of God. That is who we are. God loves us. And, God, and goes to great lengths to save us. This, this tells us that we have a great value in God's sight. Everyone you know has great value in the world and people in God's eyes. This is the basis of these two great commandments. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. The Apostle Paul and James reflect on this important truth. In Galatians 5, 14, For who... For, sorry, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. James 2, 8. It is good when, when you obey the royal law as found in Scripture. And again, love your neighbor. Showing kindness to these, the least, the lost, the lonely and the unloved. Extending God's grace in its various forms. The hurting the hated, the broken, the heartbroken people of the world, he brings into our lives this calling of loving those that find themselves in these situations. This is even more difficult today because of the pandemic, and we know that. The isolation that we find ourselves in, the slow re-entry into public life, there are challenges to love. This morning I have six phrases, six words, six things that I want to partake or give to you and leave you with. And with them I want to share some stories. I believe there's some credibility in storytelling, and I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. But with those six phrases and six words, you will see how God is using people like yourselves to love your neighbor. And as we are commanded, we are reminded in Scripture, and I can quote Scripture and bring it to you. Paul told us about it. Peter told us about it. John even stressed it in his words. But receiving one another, edifying one another, serving one another, bearing one another's burdens, forgiving each other, submitting to one another, 
exhorting each other and considering one another. Loving your neighbor makes a difference for us and those in the world. And again, it's not easy to love those around us often for various reasons we find ourselves in that situation. I can shower you with lots of statistics this morning and figures, but please allow me to use this scripture and these storytellers, stories to tell you about what's happening, particularly with your partners, and what's happening in the world through CBM. The, the idea of loving your neighbor in ways that are helpful to them, we want to consider because God has commanded us to do that. Well, the first one is love others like you want to be loved. We all want to be loved. We all long for that love in our lives. The spirit of the command is that the law, uh, sorry, that we show genuine concern and love for others. We genuinely think of ourselves often first. We know what makes us feel loved and accepted and encouraged. And with that love, we can do the same for others. We wonder how we can express love to others, especially during this pandemic. We found, find our answers when we ask what, we, what would make us feel loved, and then go and do that same thing for those that need to be loved. I mentioned that one of the growing areas for us at CBM is this whole area of crisis response. We are not technically a crisis response organization. But because of our partners, we've had to and we've engaged in crisis response, like the Lebanon crisis, the big explosion. And you actually responded as a church to that and said, great things are happening where lives are being changed physically and spiritually in that country of Lebanon and extended into areas around in other countries uh, around Lebanon as well. Through that example, again, many lives are being changed. So we have learned as an organization that this is important to do relief and development. COVID is no exception. And in fact, it has become a very huge part of who we are at CBM. And you can only imagine what COVID is like in even Bolivia where Patty ministers. Patty technically is involved in every one of our strategic drivers, crisis response, children at risk, the other ones that I mentioned. But this one is even more particular for her because of what's happening there. She lost her own father to COVID. And believe me, that was a huge, huge issue for her. And she still feels the effect of losing her father. So there are 16 pastors that have died in Bolivia. I've known them personally and I've ministered alongside of them. And we as, a, as an organization have had to respond to the loss of key pastors and leaders because of COVID. Not to say those others aren't important who we've lost in the church, brothers and sisters in Christ. So we've had to respond. One of the things that we've done is joint efforts together with UNICEF. Here in Canada, we have the freedom of being able to get vaccines. And in fact, I went through quite a dilemma here not too long ago. And I'm going to be a little vulnerable and share that with you. You see, I had gotten two vaccines and so did my wife. We were offered AstraZeneca. And we got them because we felt that we weren't sure what was going to happen after. And they were available and we took them. Not too long ago, we got a phone call from Alberta Health saying, well, we see that you travel a lot. And I did before COVID. 
uh, would you consider taking two Pfizer's, two shots? And I said, well, we've already got two shots. Uh, there are people in the world, and I blurted out and said, look, but there are people in the world that can't even get one shot uh, unless they can afford it. Well, long story short, I ended up getting the two shots of Pfizer. But because of UNICEF, I've been able to support buying and making available shots in different parts of the world. So people who aren't able to get the shots, who can't afford it or don't have the means to be able to get those shots. We started a program with UNICEF wanting to raise $10,000. It wasn't a huge program, but we thought we're going to engage with our churches and raise $10,000. We've surpassed 18000 today being able to provide those vaccines. Yeah, it made me feel better that I could donate to that. But a way to love our neighbor. Love the person who isn't able to take care of themselves in that situation. Second one is love with empathy. We all know the word empathy. So identify with feelings and hurts of others as if it were happening to you or us. Or me. That's a pretty big burden to take on. Empathy. But we deal with that at CBM every day. And the hurts and the burdens of people that we meet, that we minister alongside of. Patty is no exception to that rule. Those that are marginalized, those that are exploited. Romans 12:15, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those that weep. Love sometimes means weeping with those who are sorrowful. Sitting with them in, um, in their sorrow is not trying to simply always fix it, but to be present in the times of hardship and the times of happiness. Trying to understand what is going on, understand with empathy what the real need is, building relationship, and then acting upon it. Many people have said to us, in fact, they said to Judy and I when we went to Bolivia, well, you're going to Bolivia, but we've been there a hundred years. Our response has always been, our relationship is not over there in Bolivia or India where we've been 150 years. We have always been invited by our partners. Bolivia is no exception. And them coming and saying, we want to minister with you. Would you come alongside of us? Yes, with your love and your empathy. And not simply always your dollars. To be with us, to worship, to praise the Lord in our time of sorrow, our time of need. You have sponsored a great program called She Matters. And it is around the world and it still exists today because of the importance. And we're very, very focused. It started in 2014 and a campaign to highlight gender inequality. Girls and women around the world are living in injustices, as we know. It happens here in Canada as well, we know that. But it's important that we respond out of, out of uh, empathy to these women and to these girls. One of the reasons Julie and I went to Bolivia to help start the Prison Children's Ministry was because the women of the prisons were exploited. And I could tell stories, and I won't take up the time to do that now. The one I want to highlight particularly for us is our program in India. 
and the need to help not only girls, but women. Around literacy, around teaching them how to be good mothers, walking with them in terms of some of the plight they find themselves in after being left by a husband to go and marry a new one and have no income and be exploited. We found very quickly as we sat with some of our leaders and some particularly the women, the great desire or conviction they had around their young daughters. Having to walk long distances, desiring to get an education, wanting to better their lives, but very difficult because they had to walk great distances every day. So we sat with empathy, listening to the stories and saying, how can we help? How can we fix this as an organization? Churches wanted to get involved in North America. <coughs> Excuse me. But we found that there was a serious problem because when those girls would walk, particularly in this situation, to school, they often were picked up by truck drivers along the road. Taken and abused, and I won't get graphic, but I'll leave it to your imagination, sometimes never coming back home. With empathy, we wept with our partners and those mothers and those school teachers and administrators. What can we do? But through Shoe Matters and a program that was started, we started building dormitories to allow those girls to be able to be in the school for the week and not have to walk those great distances every day. Yes, they missed their family, but they got an education and it took care of the problem that those girls were finding themselves in. It's happening in the Congo with girls and women. It's happening around peace and reconciliation in Rwanda and Uganda. There's another one of those partnerships where it was started in Rwanda because of genocide and because of the partnership, the AEBR, the Baptist Association of Churches, moving into Uganda, South Sudan, and North Sudan to meet the need of women and girls particularly. I had a great privilege of going to the Philippines just after the great winds. Anybody heard about the great winds? The typhoons that hit there. It's an older story. But I was shocked. I'm going to try and keep this short. I could talk all day about this experience that I had. But we were helping to build new houses for people who would lost everything. And I met a man who was sitting on the side of the road and quickly found out that he'd lost everything. He'd lost his wife, he'd lost a son, he'd lost a mother. And with empathy, I was pouring myself out trying to help him and share with him, and I was concerned for him. And that empathy was reversed. He looked at me and he said, Oh, no, he said, I've got empathy for you and concern for you. What I learned from that man that day was incredible. The Lord spoke to me through him. While he had lost everything that he owned, including family, a wife, and a son. And it was, it was devastating to him. He looked at me and he said, Oh no, God's got to send a great wind to Canada because you need to go deeper in your faith as church and as Christ. That's true partnership. That's true empathy. That's learning together. Number three, halfway there, love by praying. Uh, it sounds so simple. We pray and God often answers prayer. In scripture, we read about prayer and in every occasion, pray. Pray without ceasing. Just as everyone needs love, everyone needs prayer. Pray for the ones who do not have the gospel. That's what God calls us to do. Pray for the ones 
who have not found Jesus. And they need to find Christ and grow in his discipleship. Pray for those who are ill. Pray for family all around the world who need to know what, it's, what it is to be a family. And pray for those of the world that do not have enough to eat. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Praying partners around the world are so important. As a former missionary, and even as a missionary now working in North America, and how important a church like yours is in praying for your missionaries. Don't stop praying for Patty, please. During her difficult time when she lost her father, she felt the prayers of many of you upheld her in her time of sorrow, her time of need. That was extremely important. We have a privilege as an organization of being part of the Canadian food grains. And food security and food issues are a real problem around the world. Olivia Patty helps people who have lost everything because of the restrictions. Can you imagine a mother who goes every day to the street to sell small wares that she has to feed her family? She can't do that anymore because of the restrictions. You, you, you can't go out on the street anymore and just simply sell things so that you can feed your family. That bee program that Patty's a part of is so crucial. <coughs> Excuse me. So crucial in helping to feed those that are in need. Sounds simple, doesn't it? I had the privilege of being able to help start a new program in Saskatchewan called Hopeful Gift, Hope, sorry, Grow Hope for Saskatchewan. Now, we have grow projects where farmers will take and donate land, donate seed, donate crop, grow it, sell it, and give it to uh, Canadian Baptist Ministries. And working with Canadian food grains, match those dollars four to one often with the Canadian government. So for every dollar that is, is given by a farmer and raised by a farmer through the crop and selling of it, we can get another four dollars. Imagine how that grows to feed people around the world. But there was much prayer that was needed. I had the privilege of meeting, uh, like I said, uh, helping to start a new program um, with Canadian Baptist Ministries, Food Grains, and uh, Saskatchewan Farmers. Four areas where farmers have come together and said, no, it is important for us to be able to help feed those that are in need. Dan, I think I've got a picture there. The man that I just met. Many people were praying, as we know, there was a real issue with drought this year. And many farmers weren't sure what was going to happen with their crops. And Dan was one of them. But Dan was more concerned because he had enough of his own grain, enough income, but he wanted to donate and donated land and seed and everything. I worked out a program where he was going to do this for the needy in the world and donated to CBM. So Dan became a part of the GROW project. He's a farmer in Maine Center, Saskatchewan, and is part of the GROW project, Food Grains and Canadian Baptist Ministries. For a few years, Dan had grown crops to help feed the hungry of the world and had large yields, excellent crops. As part of the project, he was able to donate those great dollars. He even had enough to buy seed and fertilizer he had some donations of people helping and the generosity of churches contrib contributing the offset of some of the input costs. <coughs> Excuse me. Last year, Dan got about 60 bushels of wheat per acre. 
But this year, he only got 11 bushels. Dan was on his knees and confessed to the Lord that he was distraught and really did not feel his efforts were worth it at all. 11 bushels per acre. However, despite the little yield this year, the price of wheat durum, which he was growing, went to an all-time high, bringing a much higher return per bushel than last year. He got 60 bushels last year. This year, he got 11. But he got more money for those 11 bushels than he did for those 60 bushels. He was able to donate or sell that crop. We received $4 for every dollar that was donated. And Dan helped feed the hunger of the world. Dan said, I will never stop praying and I will never doubt the Lord again. I quote, these are his words. When we are faithful, when we trust the Lord, he is faithful in return and blesses richly. He thanks and praises the Lord for the funds, but more importantly, he thanks CFGB, CBM, and many people that are going to be fed this year through the campaign and through God's answering prayer. Our Abba Father knows how to answer our prayers. We may not understand how he does or how he's going to, but he always does, doesn't he? Okay, number four, love by encouraging others. Oh, we live to be encouraged, don't we? During this pandemic, we need encouragement. The economy is not good. Family problems, personal failure, fears, illness, loss, all leave us thirsty for encouragement. Proverbs 16, 24, words are like honey, sweet to the soul, and healthy for the body. Encouragement is so natural. You know, we can often make a phone call. We can send a kind word, an email, a text. How many of you sent texts and emails to Patty? This is love. The encouragement that is so important. We talked about praying, but encouragement is just as important. Life can be overwhelming, but with encouragement we often can get through it. Often we at CBM know that that encouragement comes through like-mindedness. Again, listening, sitting, and encouraging our partners when it's difficult. When a decision has to be made, do we feed this family or do we feed this family? We sit down and we encourage together. We discern together. And we trust the Lord is going to answer that prayer through encouragement. One of the things that I want to encourage you is that we do as well as remember to encourage other believers and remind us when we're low. Christ is actually coming back. He's preparing the way. In the meantime, we are here to encourage those and help to prepare the way. Power of presence is so important. Um, and I have felt that. Many times we at CBM simply just need to sit with our partners. Sit with those as I did with that man in the Philippines and hear his story. Often that empathy comes back. Uh, one of the reasons we do scent teams, and Patty's so involved in receiving Canadians to engage in ministries because the presence that's so important for our partners. Every time a team goes, the last thing that most of those people will say, and I know, Scott, you heard it, don't forget us. Come back. We appreciate your presence. 
We appreciate your partnership. We appreciate who you are. Number five, love one another or love when others hate. And if we're honest with there, we are in a hateful world. We live in a cynical, hateful world today. I don't want to be really negative about this, but it's real. It's there. We need to respond to it. It's more evident today in all of our social media, our TV, and all that we see in the world today, especially even around COVID. I can share a lot of examples about the hate in the world. We see it as an organization where we work with those that are hated. Hated because of the color of their skin, or because they live in a poor area, or because they don't have enough money to take a bus ride to their work very prevalent around the world. I can't help but think if hate that has been shown particularly to the Asian people of the world today. I mean, there's hate even in our own backyard around the uh, Aboriginal and First Nations people. And I won't get off on a tangent about that. But for us, and especially around the COVID response that we've had, we're finding that many of our Asian people are exploited and simply hated because of COVID. Joyce Locke first started a program in Wuhan where the pandemic is believed to have started. Joyce is a national field staff member. She lived in Hong Kong and in China. Started there and he be in China, meeting the needs and the crisis when it first broke out to those that were not loved. They took a risk, the pastors and Joyce, Responding simply by feeding them, bringing food, bringing counseling, medical needs. That has grown greatly in the Asian community now. Through our partners in Thailand, in um, Burma, and many other areas in the Asian world, we are meeting the needs simply because of Joyce saying these people need to be loved. They need the Lord. They need us to love them and not hate them. Well, the last one is around seizing, loving, um, call it what you like, loving opportunities when they arise. One of the things I love about Bonavista is you, you do seize those opportunities locally and globally, and I appreciate that. The impact that, uh, that you've had is substantial. Uh, and I think there's a slide there that shows us 14 countries that we, key countries that we're involved in, we often get asked many times uh, from around the world, Will you react? Will you seize the opportunity? Will you help us and will you partner with us? Uh, multi, there's a multitude of opportunities, not simply for CBM, but for you as a church and, and, and individuals as, there, as, as well. Multitude of opportunities to share love, mercy, when they present themselves. And again, feeding the hungry. Building capacity among our partners. Building capacity in teaching pastors and leaders to pastor the churches that can respond to the local ministries that uh, need to take place. Community development, training, techniques, and the list goes on. We know the church is very good. This church is very good at the local, but thank you for the opportunity that you have and partner with us. Uh, there is a slide that, that shows uh, in 2019, we had about eight major projects as an organization around this, this area that we were engaged in key projects with our partners. 
Then it went up to uh, 32, and today we're looking at over 100 projects, key projects um, that we're going to engage in. Women, children, pastors, leadership development, and the list goes on. We ask that you would pray for those opportunities. Opportunities for not just CBM, but for churches across Canada as we engage as 972 churches to meet the needs of those projects. I do want to highlight two specific uh, brochures that I brought this morning. Uh, one of them is our Christmas campaign. And in there highlights many projects that we are wanting churches, are needing churches to engage in. And I encourage you to take a look at that and consider that for uh, engagement around these areas and pray about that. If you don't know CBM, we've got a new uh, uh, magazine or uh, booklet that's come out called CBM Responding. In there, you will learn on a quarterly basis what CBM is doing and how they're doing it and how they're engaged. And I encourage you to take those and consider them, read them, sign up for them. I also encourage you to see me afterwards. There are many opportunities. This isn't simply to ask you to engage and just go and be a part of something and leave it there. Build a relationship. Pour out that love that God calls you to. What does Jesus call us to? I have a question for you this morning as I finish up. What is my Christianity doing for another person? What is my Christianity doing for the people that God has placed in my path? Or in my neighborhood, in my church, or even my family? Or in another part of the world? You see, our work is not done. And Christ has called us to pursue the shalom of the kingdom in the world. These are seven simple ways of being able to do that. Seven ways to love your neighbor. Love like you want to be loved. Love with empathy. Love by praying. and Love by encouraging others. Love when others hate. Love with your words. And love the opportunities that God puts before you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love and grace that gives us everlasting life in spite of what we deserve. We do pray that we are obedient to the call that you have placed on our hearts to love, to serve our brothers and our sisters. Amen.